listening to Law and Gospel on this Open Mic Friday, August the 23rd, in the year of our Lord, 2019. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and it means you can call me with any theological question that might be on your mind. The uh, number in St. Louis is 821-0850. And then the toll-free number, one 800 730-2727. Kind of uh, excited today. As many of you know, we work with Concordia Mission Society. And we went and picked up some envelopes for that particular wonderful mission outreach. And we reach out to Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Novosibirsk, in other words, Asian areas. And we also put out that wonderful publication called The Good News Magazine. And today, after going through the envelopes and such, we're putting in $89,000 that just came in this past week. So we really thank those who are helping us out in these areas. And we would also appreciate for you to um, help underwrite Law and Gospel. At the end of the program, you can also send a check to Concordia Mission Society uh, for Law and Gospel. That's a tax-deductible item that you get then. All right, without further ado, let's kind of go to the phone lines, and we'll start with Mike. Hi, Mike. How you doing? Good, I'm, I'm okay. Uh, listen, let me turn my radio down. Good idea. Uh, it, listen, uh, you know, going by the NIV translation of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 2, I think I know why the Spirit of God is hovering. Okay. Hovering over the waters. Right, yeah. And what's your suggestion? Well, first of all, I'm going to define hovering. Hovering is traveling on a cushion of air over land and sea. And so, in other words, the Spirit of God is like flying like a seagull over an ocean-covered earth. The Spirit of God is marking time or waiting for the first morning of the first day. That's why he's doing it. This that, is figurative language. Though. This, there is the literal or scientific interpretation, but it's totally different. But I still think they're both correct, you know. And what was the bird that the spirit was like? You like meant, a seagull flying a over seagull, an ocean A seagull, seagull, yes. Uh, you do remember another time the Holy Spirit was in the form of a bird. Dove. Dove. Very good. Yeah, but aren't seagulls kind of always out in the ocean or something? I'm really unfamiliar with seagulls, not having lived at the ocean. I, I know on uh, Discovery Channel you can see them there and such, but uh, I don't um, reject what you have to say there, that it's possible that's what he was doing, kind of watching over things and preparing for the creation of human beings also. You know, you were talking Tuesday about, uh, you know, John chapter 9. Yes, the blind man. Right. And, um, well, you know, you actually said a riddle, and by, you actually said a riddle that actually solves a riddle. Go ahead. Let me see. I, I, I should have it marked here. Oh, uh, here it is right here. 
Uh, John chapter 9, I'm going to read from the King James Version. John chapter 9, verse 4. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. And this is really a riddle, and it solves a riddle, because if you go back to Genesis chapter 5, I mean, Genesis chapter 1, verse 5, it says, And God, well, God read this part, but it's really unnecessary. And God saw the light, and it was good, and divided the... Oh, five, I'm reading the wrong part. And God, God called the light, called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And here's the part that's important. In the evening and the morning were the first day. Well, you know... Um, a day is from sunset to sunset, according to Judaism, not from an evening to a morning. So what hap- what it means is is that uh, God did all of his. What it's saying is that God did all of his creating in the morning. That's probably possible. I don't have a problem with that. And God is the one who makes the decision as to whether or not it's going to be daytime that He does it or nighttime. Thanks so much for calling there, and let's go on and move on to Steve. Hi, Steve. You're on the air. Hi. Uh, congratulations on your donations, by the way. Yes. Um, I'll tell you, there are a lot of people in uh, not only Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, but other denominations that support mission work. And that's what was so wonderful about the LCMS convention is that we went into fellowship with even more Lutheran denominations than we had before. And it's really quite a story. But how can I help you? Um, so, you know, I've, I've heard different preachers preach both sides of this story, uh, women in the pulpit. And so let me ask the question before you start answering. But... Um, so I know that I read in, I think, Second Corinthians about women not wearing headdresses at church, and we don't really follow that anymore. And I know that I've read about Paul and Jesus talking kind of highly of women. Some of them were at church helping some way or another. You can correct me on that if needed. But And then I also read in, I think, Second Corinthians or Galatians about um, how we no longer have different things in Christ. We don't have male, female was one of the ones listed. And so then I was wondering if you connect all that, how you get to, well, we still believe these things, but we don't believe these things and how that connects to women in the pulpit. Okay. First of all, there's nothing I don't believe in the Bible. That idea about the women wearing headdresses, that was out of Corinthians. Uh, there was an important reason for that, because in Jerusalem, who wore kind of the head covering were the males. In fact, even today in the synagogue, if you go there, uh, I had a Lutheran layman who delivered flowers to the synagogue, and he had to wear uh, a head covering when he wa- walked into there. The reason the women were encouraged to wear head coverings in Corinthians is that was the sign of the prostitute that she did not wear a head covering. So I would not insist that women wear head coverings today because that was a cultural thing. And we need to remember in the Bible, we are no longer bound to the first and second use of the law that the Old Testament has. In other words, 
their rules for the government are not our rules. And also the whole concept of ceremonial laws. Uh, that's what I meant by the second use of the law. Uh, we no longer follow either. Jesus has fulfilled them. And then the third area that you reminded me of was cultural things. Uh, for example, we're very careful in training our pastors and missionaries who go to other lands about the culture of that land so they don't, like, put their foot in the mouth. For example, we train them not to walk fast because when they see someone walking fast, they get the impression in some countries that they're not in charge of their life, and why should they listen to them uh, about religion? So each culture has certain characteristics that are not necessary for the entire church. When Jesus sent out his disciples, the 72, remember he told them, do not take money with you, just take one pair of shoes, uh, don't take a purse. None of that is for us. Because that was a way that people would try and get money for doing the kind of ministry that they were doing. And Jesus didn't want his disciples doing that. So you need to read the context to see what parts are necessary. Nowhere in the Bible is there a contradiction to our teaching that women should not be pastors. It doesn't mean... Go ahead. What about when Paul says there's no Jew or Gentile, male or female in Christ? Okay, let me ask you that. Would you therefore interpret that to mean that you can marry another man if you're a man? No. You see, even you understand that he's not talking about their isn't a difference between male and female. That still stands. What he's talking about is that in their access to God, there's no distinction now between male or female, Greek or Jew, slave or free. They all still stay in their vocation with the various items there that they have to do and not do. But in regard to approach to God... They're all equal. That's what that's talking about. It's not a distinction saying there's no such thing as male or female. Right, right. I, I understand there's there's definitely a difference. But you're saying it's when we come to Christ, they're the same. Isn't somebody in the pulpit coming to Christ? No, it's contrary for a woman to preach from the pulpit as it is contrary for a man to have a baby. Now, why does God only allow women to have babies? I don't know, but that's the way we were created. And so if you go back to Genesis and other passages, we can spend a lot of time on this. Uh, no, I was Actually, I was going to say maybe you should use one of your Wednesdays for this topic because there's just a lot, a lot of meat to it, I think. <laughs> I think that's a very good suggestion, and we'll kind of keep that in, in mind, Steve. Okay. God bless you. Have a good weekend. Thank you very much for calling. Those are the kinds of questions we like to hear, and we'll give serious thought about having an opportunity to talk about women ordination and uh, why we're opposed to that. Okay, let's go on down the line and talk to James. Hi, James. Hello, Pastor. How are you today? It depends what you have to say. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, Pastor, we have uh, two quick questions. Which and, means uh, each one, one is about text. an hour long. Okay, go <laughs> ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, we'd like to know, first, is intelligent design a proper way to describe the work of the creator in creation? And our second question, what first, would you like more on that first one? No, no, go ahead with the second. And the second one is, is the true vine the spiritual and biblical cord that connects those who have been transformed and born again to the creator? Is the true vine, did you say? Yes, the spiritual and biblical cord that connects those who have been transformed and born again to the creator. All right, before you get to your Bible verse, let me touch on each of those quickly. Okay. Uh, number one, um, is intelligent design a proper word? I'm not oh, going to... No, a proper way to describe. The a creation. Way to describe. Yeah, creation. Okay, what's the opposite of intelligent? Uh, ignorant? Yeah. So I'm not going to say God's ignorant. <laughs> Obviously... <laughs> He was intelligent, and so I have no problem with saying that that was an intelligent design. Uh, it's just that in Christianity, we say that intelligent design came about not by aliens or something like that, but by God himself. And then is the true vine the spiritual connection, so to speak? Look at the Bible verse. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches Without me, you can do nothing. So when you become a believer, either through hearing the word of God, Romans 10, or through baptism, Matthew 28, then you now become a branch of the true vine. And why is that important? Because in Romans, it says that people who were not part of the true vine, of course, were not producing proper fruit. But when you become part of the true vine, look at Matthew 25. Then the sheep are commended for being fruitful from whom? From the work of the Holy Spirit within them. So I would say, yes, the, the vine is a good spiritual connection. Okay. And uh, Bible you had verse? started the verses. Yeah, our Bible verses were St. John's 15, 1 through 4. And uh, we'd like for you to help us understand that, please. John 15, 1 to 4? St. John 15, 1 through 4. Yeah, the gospel yeah. of John. Yes. Not, not first, yes. second, or third John. Sure. You know, that's okay. really interesting. I'm listening as I go to congregations throughout uh, the area to CDs of the entire Bible. And I'm just started recently with the Gospel of John, and I've been fascinated by the way they do that. In fact, I'm intending to maybe uh, share some of that on one of my programs. But uh, John 15, perfect timing. So you want to stay on the line? or No, we're going to go back and listen to you. Okay, go ahead. Thanks. Thank All righty. So let's take a look at John 15, 1 to 4. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. 
Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And then I, that thing I quoted, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. All right. What that is saying is God the Father is the vine dresser. That means that he supplies that which dresses the vine. If you have um, a plant, and I'm not a farmer or anything, but you know that when they grow corn, and I've been amazed how quickly that corn has come up, when that is grown, that's because farmers are putting the right nutrients in the ground and also items to take care of pests that would kill the uh, corn, etc. The Father does that by means of word and sacrament. So if someone rejects the word of God, as did, for example, the Pharisees, and does not bear fruit, then guess what? He may be taken away. There's that one fig tree that Jesus goes to and it doesn't have any fruit. Well, it's a a parable, actually. And he says, well, let's tear it down. And a person tells him, well, give it one more year and see what happens. And that's a really good parable for pastors that we may think there are certain people who are not Christian anymore and we just would ignore them or tear them down. No, continue to give them the word. And therefore, if the person is in Christ, that word will bear fruit. Because the Holy Spirit, the Father, and the Son are all working at pruning it so that it may bear more fruit. Now, I find verse 3, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. What word is that? Well, that's, of course, in light of the cross of Christ, that your sins have been forgiven even if you are an unbeliever. What? I thought you had to have faith in Jesus. You have to have faith in Jesus to receive the gift of the forgiveness of sins that is already there for you. And that's why we don't say, if you believe in Jesus Christ, your sins will be forgiven. No, we say, your sins have been forgiven. The words from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. But then... To receive that gift only comes about through faith. And therefore, from God's point of view, he's already reconciled to you. Take a look at 2 Corinthians 5. And therefore, the goal of the church is to get people to be reconciled to God. That's really an important thing. And that's why you want them attached to the vine. And the way to do that, of course, is by bringing them into the church through baptism as an infant and then teaching them the word of the Lord as they grow older until they finally get to receive the Lord's Supper. And when that occurs, fruit is born. They may not recognize the fruit like the sheep in Matthew 25. When did we do all these things? But Jesus says, 
whatsoever you did to the least of these, my brethren, you have done to me. So I hope that is helpful. I have an announcement to make at this time is that I have been involved with congregations in Illinois on Sundays and they have now called a pastor and I'm kind of like an interim guy where I come in and will help out congregations uh, during the time that they're vacant or if they need some additional help or preaching on Sunday, etc. So my last Sunday with these congregations that I'm helping right now is the first Sunday in September. Beginning the second Sunday in September, I'm available uh, to maybe help out of the congregation, etc. If you're at all interested in talking to me about that, my email address is Law and Gospel at Law and Gospel one oh one dot com. I'll say it again. Law and Gospel at Law and Gospel one oh one dot com. And so I'd be glad to meet with uh, congregations and then we always, you know, inform the district president, depending on what district it is so that they're aware of uh, such an opportunity, and then we kind of go from there. So I'm uh, willing to be helping out. I not only would preach on Sundays, I would take care of uh, shut-ins, hospital calls, etc. In fact, I just talked to a, a member of one of the congregations, and they're way out near Effingham, and one of the individuals they know is at Barnes Hospital. In fact, I met him at a recent wedding that I had uh, preached at. And uh, so we were talking about whether or not I should go and visit him and then found out that he's actually being taken back to his home uh, today. So I am willing to do hospital calls, shut-in calls, adult instruction, youth confirmation, uh, anything as a congregation is either in the process of calling or not. I also have two other congregations that I am preaching at, but that's midweek worship services, and those will continue. So even during the midweek, there are evenings, and I'm willing to go up, well, 400-mile round trip is the one set of congregations. The other one's about 260 miles round trip. And so I'm only too happy to do that. Uh, Put on about a thousand miles a week right now on my car. And uh, also I drive for Uber. So that's a lot of fun too. So if you're all interested, uh, email me at lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com and put a phone number down so I can phone I'm more than willing to meet with members of the congregation as we discuss uh, the possibilities, either in the process of calling. And as soon as a congregation, this is now, I think, my fifth congregation I've done this. Um, One, I was there for two years. Most of the others are for a year or so. And as soon as a pastor is called, then I'm gone. I'm, I'm not there to get a call. I'm just there to help out. 
And so if you're at all interested, Tom Baker, Long Gospel, at longgospel101.com. And until I get more of a full-time congregation to help with, I will be available for preaching on Sundays uh, anywhere uh, in the area. I mean, 400-mile round trip is no problem with me because I'm listening to CDs from the Bible <laughs> or Sirius XM I have, which has some wonderful music and symphony music, etc. So... On the next Long Gospel, the reading, one of them, for the following Sunday, talks about visiting strangers who are angels unawares. What does that mean? We're going to talk about it on the next Long Gospel, which is Monday. And I pray that you'll be able to have a wonderful worship service this coming Sunday. And also that you'll hear a great distinction between law and gospel. I'm Tom Baker. Till Monday then, God bless. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.